Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to Reality TV Rehap Ups for Season 9, Episode 8 of The Amazing Race Canada, in which we are going to Saguenay, Quebec, and je suis excité to talk about everything that happened this week. Uh, very exciting setting, I guess, but maybe not as exciting in the execution. We'll get into all of that, of course, but first I gotta welcome my co-host, the guy that's always pining for the fjords, Dan Heaton. Well, hello, Jess. Well, you know, I could say more right now, but I think, you know, you're you're doing such a good job podcasting. Maybe you should just continue because, you know, I don't really need to participate. I think, um, you know, I want to be friendly. So why don't why don't you lead the show? Oh, no, 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 Dan. I think I think you should be the one to really take the wheel on this one. Um, I want to make sure that in the interest of sportsmanship and good, you know, and camaraderie and all that. Well, I mean, we should just we should just compromise and do it together. Right. Yeah, I guess so. Because, you know, really, what's at stake? Well, for us, you know, we're not going to win a truck or anything. But, you know, what's really at stake here? Yeah, there are no stakes. This is podcasting. (laughs) What do we know? You know, we're not we're not even now you're no longer in Canada again. No, but I'll I'll tell you something, Dan, before we get into the show, I got to tell you, I really. I really embarrassed myself in front of the nation of Canada last week. And this is fantastic. Um, so we were out for dinner a couple of times. We found a restaurant that my son liked. And, you know, when your six-year-old likes a restaurant, that you can sit down and actually order a drink. It's a miracle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we go we go to this restaurant. We go back the second night. And we've been out in the heat all day. We're very thirsty. Want something to drink. Off the drink menu, they have hard cider. I'm like, Cool. I will get a hard cider. That sounds fantastic. So I get one. My husband tastes it. He's like, this is pretty good. I'll get one of those. We liked it so much. We went to the liquor store the next morning before we came back to the States and bought like the legal limit of how much different flavors of hard cider we could get. Come back to the States. And I posted a picture. I guess my first clue should have been that they sell this. They sell this stuff in cans, of course, but they also sell it in two liter bottles. Oh, and I thought this was good. hilarious. Like, look at this rainbow of cider colors in, in these two liter bottles. And several of our Canadian friends, um, shout out to Kirsten and Natalie, said, if you bought that brand of cider, you're basically no better than high school kids. Because this brand of cider, it is um, the brand is Growers. I have a can of it right here, actually. We're not, this is not a video podcast, but I'm showing Dan. Um, <laughs> They said growers is what the high school kids drink. So I basically bought the Canadian equivalent of Zima and I bought a lot of it. Um, But you know what? I have the alcohol taste of a high schooler. So that tracks drink a lot of Arbor Mist. I'm into that sort of thing. Like the White Claw adjacent 
Like if you drink the White Claw and you're like, I wish this was sweeter. I guess that's where we're at. So I have a large amount now of growers hard cider and it's terrific. I don't care what y'all say. And I guess maybe that means I have to stay back here in the States and you won't let me come back to Canada. But here we are. I I, I didn't get any guru energy. Oh, I think that you just made a pitch for growers to sponsor the show. You know, they are not now. At least I don't think they are. Not as far as I know. Behind the scenes. But, you know, hey, if you enjoy it, Jess, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, there's the hard cider tastes good. You're enjoying it. You've got it in a two liter. I mean, they have two liters of terrible sodas. Why not have it of this? What can you do? Why not have it a little soda plus plus? I mean, wasn't the moral of this week's episode, Dan, that we need to be our authentic selves? Yes, that what it, that's what it was. Um, that's the moral of the episode. And uh, we need to help each other out um, regardless of what might happen in the race. So, um, you know, they're just going to brush that aside because it didn't impact the finals. But yeah, amazing best think, friends race. Yeah. And. You know, I, I sometimes dis I dislike it generally. Just Maze Race Canada often gets painted as everyone's too friendly. They're too happy. They're not cutthroat. It's not they don't have all the drama, which the US doesn't really either, but they try their best with the editing to make things seem dramatic. But um I have to say it's really hard to defend it sometimes with the way things have gone this season. And um I don't know, Jess. Is and then there's all the questions of, you know, is it the player's fault? No. Is it the show's fault? Maybe. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to dig into the tasks themselves because it varies. And uh, granted, this was not as egregious as last week. I will say that you know, last week with the tasks, it was way too easy to, to help each other. This time, teams had to really try. And sometimes I don't know how much they were really helping, but man, they tried. They they did their best. At least, like, I, I feel like the helping that happened this week, you still had to do the task. Like, there's right. only so much you can be helped. You still had to complete all the tasks on this on this leg. I do wish that things were a little bit more cutthroat. And, you know, we will talk about the past and the past or the lack thereof, I guess. They but, passed on the past. They passed yes, they, on it. Hard pass. It's called a hard pass when you don't do it. Um, I would say I don't love having something like the pass slash yield slash U-turn this late in the race to begin with, just because the pool of potential contestants is so low and you're basically consigning someone to the trash heap when you do it. So I can't be too mad at it, but at the same time, it's like, I need somebody to be competitive. I need somebody to be willing to do what it takes. And everybody just sort of looked at it and went meh. And they kept on going. It was like, I think we've had on Amazing Race Canada U-turns before where they didn't get used. So they just didn't get featured in the episode. I think I almost would have preferred that here. Yeah. And I mean, it's easy to be like, well, you know, how it finished was caused by not using the pass but actually that to me wasn't the most egregious but it was the like you said tying cat the most competitive in like an individual way meaning that you know they're kind of doing it on their own expected people to put them on the board and granted they got their second so there was only one chance if they had gotten there any later they probably would have put on the board but they went to the board and they're like oh well that's nice that's cool and they got really lucky 
But then all the other teams are like, well, since they made it, oh, whatever, we don't need to use it. I'm like, what? I mean, I don't know. We could dig into it later if we want. But the overall approach, I totally get being first and just saying we're not going to go that way. But this early in the leg, it's a little shaky. But then it just kind of, it was a, it was interesting. Teams were so set on doing one thing that when that one thing didn't happen, they kind of forgot that, oh, yeah, we could be in danger of being eliminated, which I found interesting. Yeah, it's there was no flexible thinking here, I guess. Uh, but anyway, let's get right into it then. So we're arriving in Quebec and we're going straight to the Rio Tinto Arvida Research and Development Center. and then they have to use a high-powered microscope to find these teeny, teeny, tiny words etched into the sheet of metal. Uh, what do you think of this one, Dan? You know, I thought it was kind of clever, and I do like that apparently aluminum, big thing in this area, multiple references to aluminum. But, I mean, I again, not the most thrilling thing to watch on TV, but I will say, I mean, a lot of it is just people kind of squinting and looking really like, what I, I mean, I don't know why I'm squinting in front of you, like anyone can see what I'm doing right now. But, you know, really trying so hard to figure this out. And I don't know how thrilling that was in terms of TV, but I thought it was kind of a clever way to make them do something different. And again, it's kind of one of those that sort of feels like a roadblock, like we have one later like that, too. But it's not because you have one team member kind of doing a lot of the work and the other team members trying to read it. But um, I don't know. You can see I don't have that much to say about it. A lot of it, what I thought about this is when people kept like helping each other again, because like Ben and Anwar, I'm trying to think of who got lost. I think it was them. Whoever arrived, yeah, Ben and Anwar got lost. So they arrived last. And then um, people were just Devin and Amanda. I mean, I don't know how much the explanation helped, but it was like, okay, you know, according to the edit, it looked like they got it right away after people helped them. But it was essentially, you know, people were just telling each other kind of little things there. But also, um, Duran Justin helped Devin and Amanda because they decided after last week, this is the team we want to connect with. And so there's some of that. Like, teams are like, that's my friend. That's the team I like. I want to help them. No problem with that. But at the final five, it just felt a little surprising. Yeah, well, that brings me back to, that kind of takes me back to Amazing Race 20, where you had the teams that were all kind of in their little cliques and they just targeted the teams that were not part of their little group. And at this point, I think everybody's kind of realized that if there are teams that are, that are, you know, avowedly working together, you should just go and work with the other teams. And so I thought Duran and Justin, this was kind of a, this is kind of a clever thing, like to find the team, the other team that's kind of not in the middle of everything and to start working with them. I mean, it's a little late in the game to be doing that, but I didn't hate the move. And, and, you know, we can talk like it's a little bit, I, given how it turned out for them, I don't think this was the thing that made or broke no. them. I, and I think it was a little bit of goodwill that could have served them well if things had shaken out differently. Because there was a lot of people making a lot of mistakes this leg. It just happened to be that the ones that Jermaine and Justin made towards the end were the ones that sent them home. But it really it was anybody's game to lose this week, honestly. Yeah, a lot of teams getting lost, getting stuck in traffic, doing kind of those types of mistakes. I mean, I, maybe it was just the not speaking French that some of the teams struggled with that beyond um, 
Devin and Amanda, especially Amanda, who seemed to really understand it, was very happy about that. I understand being this is their, they know the area so much better than some of the other teams. You know, I think the fact that, um, you know, Ben was in Paris, not that helpful. Didn't really help <laughs> him at all. You know, it's one of those, you know, a year ago I was in Paris. Like, were you there for a day? Did you live there? I don't know. But just, you know, it was it was interesting. And, and again, the helping again is nothing like, here's the answer. It's more like, they're kind of like, well, you pull the thing this way, then you pull it this way. And it was like, I don't know if that helps anyone or not. It's just interesting, just um, the overall vibe and tenor. And I don't mean to just keep harping on this. I want to talk, but I think this kind of shows too that I don't have that much to say about the actual task. What did you think of it? Well, I think we've talked about this before a lot this season where we like it that everybody is doing the same task essentially, but they all have to come up with different answers, which prevents them from just straight up giving each other the answer. But I do think it would be the thing that is helpful in a task like this is to know what it is you're looking for, because before they had any idea what the word looked like or what the context of any of it was, I think this is a much harder task. And once you see what one looks like, you can find the rest of them pretty easily. So I think in that respect, like having someone give you a little bit of guidance on how to use it, I think anybody would have figured that out over time. But just having an idea of what you're looking for is definitely the thing that's going to help you get through this task. Yeah, and I, I agree. I do like that the that they didn't give them the, the same word. If they all had to find, you know, Nej, that's only what I wrote down. So, you know, they had to find <laughs> that. And I, I apologize. I did take high school French for four years, but then I realized when we were in Paris that not doing anything for a while makes it kind of useless beyond like bonjour and stuff, you know, or whatever. And I always have terrible pronunciation. That hasn't changed. But, yeah, you know. I never took French, but I did go to Paris one time. So there's <laughs> that, I guess. You should be great. You know, go to Quebec yeah. and you'll just, you know, though a lot of the people they got directions that we saw from seem to speak English, which I know is, you know, so a lot of people are bilingual or whatnot. But, you know, I'm sure there were challenges for some of the teams as it went along, for sure. Yeah. And I think I have never loved it on Amazing Race when you go somewhere and, and the language barrier gets in your way and you end up. Kind of, I mean, you wouldn't come up across as an ugly American in Canada, of course. Of course. But <laughs> you, the idea that everyone needs to speak English, that goes very much against the sentiment of a bilingual country like Amazing Race Canada. So the country of Amazing Race Canada, Stan, I've, I've been, I've been hit the growers a little too hard. I totally literally. got it. I get what you're saying. You know, yeah, we don't want to, I mean, luckily this was not on the level of, Many times, more kind of early to mid seasons of Amazing Race US. Mm -hmm. I feel like they don't really spotlight it as much. But also, I think given the less push on um, travel, I think that makes it less essential in the US version example. Where here they're doing so much self driving, there's going to be times where they stop for directions and it might come up a little bit. But it would be very different, obviously, if they were sending them around the world or to other countries like they've done in past seasons. Yeah, they, there's nobody standing in the middle of a crowded market square screaming, English, English. <laughs> that never yeah. happened. That, 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 that oh, oh, God. Almost yeah. every season in certain places. Um, no but yeah, should we go to the detour? Are we ready? Well, the, so, you know, 
such as it is, because this is really not, <laughs> we have roadblocks that are not really roadblocks and detours that are not really detours here. Because what do we call we, this? <laughs> What's the term? It's a one way. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's the, it's a proceed to the route. <laughs> yeah, basically. Cause, cause I had this thought when they announced them, I thought, well, that's no one. I mean, is anyone going to do that? No, no, they weren't. This is a rare. Usually you always got one team. Or in a case like this, they would have a U-turn because they've done this before where it's like, okay, no one's going to pick this one. We're going to have a U-turn and make them do it. Or we're going to have limited stations like last week. But maybe the show really just wanted ever to, everyone to be able to do the go-karting. Maybe they thought that seemed fun. That's good for the preview. I don't know. Well, I mean, honestly, Dan, which one would you have chosen? Well, the go-karts. I mean, come on. And actually, I didn't even realize at first I thought they just had to do it in a minute. And I was very confused, like, why does the partner keep talking to them? And then I was like, what? What's going on? And then I kind of figured out. So I did like one, because normally in this type of task, Jess, it will be, they've done so many like this. You're on a bobsled, you're on, you know, you're doing a bike or, you know, whatever. And you have to make it. They find a time that they think is hard, but not too hard. And everyone has to do it. So over and over, we see teams, they made it. They didn't. They made it. But what they did this time, it wasn't about how fast you went. Um, I mean, it was if you were Jermaine and spun in circles, but it was also about precision to a pretty significantly tight amount. If you missed it by a couple tenths of a second, you were off. So I found that interesting. Yeah, I thought this was this was certainly entertaining. And I, but I do feel bad for all those poor people at the University of Quebec <laughs> sitting alone and sad in the snow chamber and nobody came to see them. And honestly, I think the fact that you, it was only a minute that you had to make meant that everybody was like switching in and out of this track pretty quickly. Right. So you didn't have one of these situations like a bungee jump where if you were at the back of the line and you, and you had to wait for everybody else to go, you might do better to just go to the other task, which I think we have talked a lot. And especially we talked about this a lot last week about how we thought they were setting things up such that you could make sure that every single task got done by someone. And here it was like, there's no way to do limited stations on the go-karts really. Unless it's just like, this is your go-kart and there's only three of the go-karts and everybody else has to go somewhere else. But that seems very forced. I think we would have been complaining about that, too. So I feel sad that nobody tried the snow. I think it sounded easier on its face, but it didn't sound like very much fun. So I don't fault anybody at all for choosing the one that was way more fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to give them their due just so people know. It could get as cold as negative 20 degrees Celsius. And you, the, what the task was, in case you were missing when John talked about it for 15 seconds, they're going to University du Quebec, and there's a snow chamber where they were recreating a picture. And luckily, this was not like that time on Amazing Race US when there were all those people dressed up like Vikings or pirates or whatever <laughs> it was, like 20 people, and none of them got to do anything. And I felt really bad for them. We did have a question by Addison Mueller on Twitter, basically saying, am I the only one? who always feel sad for the staff slash judges of the detour no one chooses. Here, I suspect it was a smaller group, but still, I feel for the people at that university. Maybe they work in the snow chamber. Maybe this is like, finally, they're going to see what I do when I go in this chamber all day with my giant coat on. Maybe this was it, and I feel for those people. 
Yeah. On the other hand, they probably got to take the day off work. So it was like we could be doing our snow research, but oh, the research lab's closed. I can just sit outside here in my earmuffs playing Candy Crush for two hours. (laughs) That that would be more fun. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't mean to dismiss. Maybe the snow chamber job is really great. And it's a lot of fun. And maybe that's that the person was sad that they didn't get to share that. But yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of, I actually don't think this seemed that hard. So I think this is one that they had determined this kind of that set amount of time versus we don't really know. Mm-hmm. I would think that the snow thing took us, they expected it would take whatever, 20 minutes, whatever it would be. And the go-karts, if you were good at it, would take less, 10 minutes, whatever, 15 minutes. I'm just throwing out numbers. And if you were bad, it might take more. In this case, though, it just teams are like, that looks fun. And you heard teams say it. And it's just like, and most people in their life at some point have driven a go kart. And so I think people are like, I could do that. How hard can that be? And it really wasn't that hard. It was just, um, you just kept going until you made it. I really don't have a problem with the task. There was a trick to it, too. I think if you, you just kind of floor it until you get to the very end and then you sit there until your partner tells you when to go. And I thought it was clever that many teams figured this out. I don't know how I feel about Devin and Amanda, like straight up telling Ben and Anwar how to do it. Of course. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But there's that. Uh, There was a lot of this going on. I think it's really funny how Ben and Anwar basically work with every single person. Like they have some kind of alliance going with literally, they're like, they're like the Surrey fields of amazing race. Canada, the really every single person is jumping to help them. They roll, they rolled a D 20 charisma and then like a D one navigation. Yeah. They always get lost and they show up and he's like, here's what you do. Here's how you work it out. It's like, really guys. But here's the thing though. We should give them credit for this. It's easy to look at the other teams and be like, Oh my gosh, they are so, what are they doing? Which I will do a little bit of that in a few minutes. But still, a lot of it relates to, they haven't seemed to work with Ty and Kaz much, but I don't sense any animosity there. I just think Ben and Anwar have identified. They also, when you want to work with teams, you got to be like, hey, we're the underdogs. We're going to work together. And then those those guys, they're the team. You got to have a target. You can't be like, we're going to work together and then win, you got to be like, we're going to work together to take down that team. And Ty and Cat have made it easy because Ty and Cat are always winning or doing close to it, not this week, but are almost always winning. So you have that target. So they're not going to, if they start working with Ty and Cat, everybody's like, what? what? What's going on? So they've been smart, at least according to the edit, to not do that, at least. Though I yeah. say this, Ty and Cat did give them the express pass, right? Mm hmm. Yes, they did. So what am I uh, saying? They worked with literally everybody that's left. <laughs> I, I, I just made this great point, and then I totally undercut my own point. Hey, welcome on? to podcasting about the Amazing Race <laughs> Canada, Dan. I do this at least once an episode. <laughs> I, I think it's a really unsung feat that they have managed to convince every single other person left in the race of their underdogness. So they don't come across as a threat and everybody is willing to work with them. They struck deals with everybody. Nobody's talking to each other about this. And yet they're actually a pretty competent team as long as they don't have to find their way anywhere. So I think don't count them out. If the final leg is something in a city, especially if it's a city they know, they're going to they're going to do great. 
they are real, they're real contenders to win it all, I think. Yeah, and, and they've set themselves up really well for next week, too, again, because they have friends that don't seem like I'm sure that they and you could easily next week they can go to Tyler and Kayleen and Devin and Amanda and say, okay, I want us to the three of us or the three teams, you know, the six of us, we're going to run the finals together. Let's just get out time cat. No, I don't think they're going to be successful, but I think that's their plan, you know, and it's really, it's really smart. Yeah. I, I cannot fault them for figuring out like how collaborating with other teams can actually propel you forward in the race. Because of course, if you're, really really good at everything like ty and cat have been most legs you can't like the other teams can't touch you no matter how much they work together but i think ben and anwar are a team like they are really great at leveraging their relationships to propel them forward and it will be really interesting next week to see everybody sort of united against this one threat and to see if that actually comes to fruition would be really interesting if it did. I don't think it ever has in the history of Amazing Race, though. <laughs> it never, it never works. But here's the interesting thing about Ben and Anwar too, and Devin and Amanda. You look at their finishes. Ben and Anwar benefited by not doing well in the early legs, and because then they're hanging out down there. They they started out eight, fifth, seven, six. Devin and Amanda six, eight, six, seven. I mean, you got these teams that are starting out about like the similar nature as them, and so. Teams don't look at them as a threat. They can sell the underdog idea, yet they have, they've been close, but they've never been in huge danger of being eliminated because even in those legs when they were eighth or when they were seventh, that was the time when Jermaine and Justin took 100 penalties. So they've stayed. <laughs> they actually, it's kind of like the, the like survivor idea of, oh, you never win the immunity challenges or whatever. They're just like, they've, they finished second once, but that's because that was the leg where they used the express pass and the assist. They've never been above third any other leg. And mm-hmm. that's the last two weeks. So it's almost like they're just hanging out. Like, we're just going to hang out and we're going to get to the end. And that's all that really matters. And they also don't have that weird, we want to finish first narrative, which I'll talk about a later too. They, they just are, they know what the goal is. And the goal is not to get eliminated. Yep. As long as you're not last. It's as good as first until the final leg. The only one that you have to win is that last one. So I'm I'm not mad at it for sure. So, yep. Oh, here's the double pass that wasn't is the next (laughs) part. Um, And then we are going to deliver a meat pie through an obstacle course for reasons. Let me talk briefly about the double pass. I just want to briefly mention it. Tyler and Kayleen were like obsessed. They're going to get Ty and Kat. Um, But what happened is they got lost. Common thing this week. So mm-hmm. Ty and Cat get to the board right in front of them. But Jermaine and Justin get there first. Don't use it. To me, you could easily say this is why they got eliminated. But to me, they didn't know they were going to get lost later. I don't know. I mean, sure, we'd like to see. If, if they used it, they wouldn't be who they've been the whole season. So it's a lot of, kind of weird. Ty and Cat not using it. I mean, again, they have that quiet confidence where they're just like, we're, we're ahead of these teams. What, are they going to pass us? No. They're, you know, what? They don't, they don't seem concerned. So even though they got someone used the pass on them, they're just like, yeah, we're fine. But then what interested me, Tyler and Kayleen were third, but they were right with Ty Cat. What really interested me was Devin and Amanda showing up. Because Jess, they knew there was only one team behind them. They knew exactly where, where the teams were. And they knew it was Ben and Anwar. And they said, no, 
they're our friends. We're not going to use it. And I thought, okay. They lucked out that Duran and Justin got lost later. Because let's say those are the two last teams and they end up getting eliminated like this. I mean, again, I, they seem like they would be totally comfortable with it. But just from my perspective as a viewer, I'd be like, oh, that hurts. That hurts, Gus. I don't know. It, was, it didn't surprise me because this is how they've been the whole season. And we talked about Ben and Anwar. But that was the one where I went. Because if they're last, they can't wait on anyone. But Ben and Anwar probably get to wait 15 minutes or whatever. But that could have made a difference. It could have. I think, honestly, if you look at how the teams shook out in the end, I don't think using the pass would have made a difference for literally any of them. Because I think, mathematically speaking, if if the team that's in first place ends up dropping all the way to the end, it doesn't matter if they mixed up the order between any of the other teams. I don't think I think Jermaine and Justin wind up in last place, whether or not they use the pass. Well, now that I'm thinking about it, I think the pass was kind of immaterial. Well, it's kind of dumb, too, because of the way the pass is. Like now right. that I think about it, if let's say Jermaine and Justin say we're going to use it on Ty and Cat. Ty and Cat have Tyler Kayleen right behind them. So basically, Ty and Cat would only have to wait until Tyler and Kayleen show up, which would have been like 30 seconds. And if Ty and Cat really want to get someone, they say, okay, we'll use it on Tyler and Kayleen. They're right there. Then they wait. And that would, yeah, it's the problem is the pass, Jess. It's even worse than the U-turn. It's not a good, not a good thing. Now, Dan, can you clarify something for me? Because I cannot remember right now. What happens if you put the pass on someone who is already in last place? Is it basically nothing? I think it's got to be so like the end of a face-off. I don't think it can mean nothing. I don't think they clarified because it didn't happen the last time because Jermaine and Justin were behind great, um, Gracie and Lily, who were the second team after mm-hmm. tying cat. My guess is they have, it's gotta be like, um, a yield, like a yield or something. You probably have to wait 15 minutes, but they never, they did not clarify on the show what would happen. At least to my knowledge. Unless yeah, someone, it, it does not hears say, this, let us know. Yeah, it does not say, um, the amazing race wiki. I just, Look this up really quickly. Uh, it does not say what happens if you're in last place and you get passed. And it also doesn't say what happens if um, one pass teams arrives at the pass board. What does that mean? If it's currently unknown, what would happen if one passed team arrives at the pass board while another pass team is awaiting another team? So if you passed, if Jermaine and Justin had passed Ty and Cat and Ty and Cat are hanging out there, um, or if they'd pass Tyler and Kayleen and Ty and Kat are at the board and Tyler and Kayleen get there, can they pass someone or what happens? Oh, there? that's right. How does that work? I just mentioned something because like if Ty and Kat are technically passed, they can't, this is not a case where then they can, it's not like the double U-turn. It's not a right. case where Ty and Kat can immediately do, because once Tyler and Kayleen show up, they're probably technically ahead of Ty and Kat because they right. passed, they passed them. So then I guess Ty and Cat, if they want to, could use it on another team then who's after them, which they did not do the first time because they're just like, whatever, we're just moving on. We were first, now we're second. Derek and Jess fall, thanks a lot, you know. But um, sorry, it was blind, but I, they knew who did. But yeah, it's the fact that we're asking these questions is not a great endorsement of this task. Of this the task is dumb. <laughs> we can move on. That's all I got. Yeah, I, I was trying to skip the pass entirely, but Dan would not let me pass it. So we we have discussed it and now we're moving. 
Right. We're moving on to the, yeah. the meat pies. And we're moving on as if another team has showed up to the passport. Yes. Um, all right. So we're moving on to the meat pies. Um, this was fun. Uh, I felt like this really had this had shades of amazing Chamber of Commerce race. This seemed like something that you would make somebody to do in your local version of the Amazing Race, but it was fun. At least it had a local delicacy with it, and at least the pie shows up later, which felt like a real, a real Darepaul move, honestly. So I was very surprised to see other teams doing this, like picking up their mantle. But um, the one thing that I will highlight about this is Justin failing at once and then saying, let's take a penalty. And I yelled <laughs> at the screen. Like, they went to commercials. They went yeah. to commercials after he said it. And I was like, oh no. I was like, this isn't good. And then I yeah, you know, the thing is, I know they were worn out and injured and stuff, but the way the show made it seem, everybody just breezed through this. Like this was nothing. It was and then they show up and they just keep and then Jermaine takes a big fall. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there like, what is happening right now? Like, what did they it's like I don't understand, but I think they're just um they were just wiped out or or it maybe had an injury we didn't know about. But that was a very strange moment. If they had taken a penalty for that, I don't know, Jess. That would have John would have been disappointed. Yep, he would have had his disappointed dad face on. And <laughs> you know, now that he is a dad, I feel like the disappointed dad the disappointed dad face gets a little bit more weight to it. <laughs> uh, but at least they finally they did they did stick it out and they would have been okay again had they not gotten lost. Um, but I thought it was pretty smart. Uh, a couple of teams kind of took turns on different obstacles. And then of course you see Kayleen who's kind of a secret rock star of the season doing the entire thing. Um, I guess, I guess Tyler probably would have had a little bit of difficulty on some of these yeah. obstacles. So it's probably why she did it, but she was amazing. Um, and then of course we, we breeze through this and we get to the roadblock, which this is interesting to me because I feel like the, there is a certain type of person, much like the kinds of people that search for survivor idols without clues. I think there are people that could break this challenge pretty easily. Like just look at it and decipher the code without even getting up onto the rock face. That's interesting. Yeah, no one really brought that up, but um, I'm curious to learn more about how they could do it, though, Jess. So I, I would let you please explain well, further. Okay, so this is an alphanumeric key, and it's basically the number, the alphabet letters are not numbered randomly. They are basically in reverse order. So A is 26 and Z is 1. The spacing of the words is already laid out for you. You're in Quebec. If your first if your first word is two letters long and you're in Quebec, you can probably pretty safely guess that that first word is la because French. And then, you know, that A is 26. Once you see that A is 26, I think it's worth trying the letters being in reverse alphabetic order. Interesting. Do you think they made them go on the rocks at least once as part of the task? Like they had to do it? Like that wasn't even an option? I wonder if someone had asked, hey, can I just try the board if they would have let them? I think you probably did have to go out once. And plus, I don't I don't even know if you were allowed to look at the board before you got out there. Right. 
probably not. They probably said, you've got to traverse this course and there's a code, but basically in order to, to get to the board, you have to do these other steps first. That's probably what it was. Right. And I thought the, like one of the really telling things is that some of the, some of the letters they're given are not letters that appear in the clue. So that should tell you there's a pattern to it. Like they give you M equals 14. There's no M in your answer that you have to come up with. So I think that's, I think that's interesting as well. Like there are a lot of clues here. If you're a, if you're a kind of a crypt, you're kind of a cryptology nerd, I think you could have some fun with this, but I think everybody did go out there at least once, but it did seem like some of the teams relied less on the clues they were given and more on like code breaking skills. Yeah. Kat and Kayleen both really you said Kayleen is a rock star cat too. Every yeah. hard roadblock she does and she always destroys. And Ty and Ty's always like, You sure you want to do it? And she's always like, Yes. And both her and Kayleen have every time they've kind of it's been on them. There's a reason these teams are finishing so high. Yes, I mean the guys are very good too, but with these teams in particular, those two are they kill every challenge they do. And and they didn't they worked independently. Yeah, it seemed like it seemed like Amanda and Anwar worked together. I I think um neither one was particularly great at this. So they they kind of talked it through and figured it out, which they didn't at first like teams kept saying, we don't know if Jermaine and Justin have already checked in or or if not. But I think they suspected they were ahead of them. They saw mm -hmm. them when they were leaving. So they knew going to the pit stop they were ahead. But they I don't know if they knew up front that was a little confusing because they showed up. But that does make, I mean, really, though, I think the teams just decided we're going to work through this together. They didn't know for sure it was the last task. And that's what they decided. But um, it was interesting because they weren't sure they were ahead, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and if I'm Amanda and I have the question mark of did Justin and Jermaine just breeze through this and are far ahead of us and have already checked in? I got to think about it in terms of it's still kind of it's still kind of beneficial to work with Anwar here because Ben and Anwar are terrible at navigation. Yes. And you can probably beat them, if not in a foot race, as long as the pit stops, not like on the other side of the rock face here. You can probably beat them if you have to drive to a pit stop. So I think from their point of view, it's not a bad call either way. But yeah, if you know for sure there's another team behind you, then 100% work oh, together yeah. on this. Like, you know that team's behind you. Let's ensure that you stay ahead of that team. Um, but if you don't, if you know that one of you is potentially in last place, then it really should be every person for themselves unless you can be assured that the other team is really bad at the next piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And I have to give credit though. I thought Justin wasn't going to be able to do this given everything else. And he just did fine, which credit to him. I know they were pretty far behind and they knew it. Maybe that removed the pressure Unlike the, I mean, this wasn't as scary as a bunch of jumps, but still, you know, I think I was impressed. He did that at least, but it was interesting to see them working together, not knowing that until they left. But um, it was it was cool to see Jermaine and Justin kind of not go out with him being unable to do a roadblock. Yeah, I thought 
And I, I think you're right, Dan. I think it was like at that point they're in last place. They're definitely getting eliminated. There's no pressure. You can just do the task and knock it out and finish strong. And there's not the weight of the world on your shoulders. Like the, you have no control over the outcome. And I think that's kind of freeing in a way. So I thought it was pretty amazing. Like he has a problem with heights, but he was able to, to get through it pretty easily as far as we could tell. Like, you know, at that point the show could have edited a lot out, but I don't think there was any need to. Um, we knew what was, you know, the writing was on the wall at that point and the writing being M equals 14 and E equals 23 <laughs> or whatever. It was on the rocks. Yes. Yeah, I, I want to point the out there was another moment that made me laugh where the people, someone said the quote, Justin and Jermaine, they could already be about to see John. And then they cut to them falling off one of the balance beams, like right after. And I was like, oh, that's kind of rough. That, that made me laugh, though, because the editors are like, no, they're they're not about, about to see John. I really liked Jermaine and Justin as a team, though. I, I didn't think they were going to win the race, but I'm happy they lasted so long with some luck. But they were... They were fun, and um, they took their struggles on the race um, with a lot of grace and enjoyment. So I enjoyed seeing them on the show. I'm a little sad that they did not survive them. Yeah, after all they've been through, I don't know that I would have wanted to see them win it all, Like especially with the number of penalties they took. Um, I would have had to see Justin do something truly heroic to get them to the end in order for me to be actively rooting for that outcome but i think they did finish strong they finished in a way that they could be proud of i was i was happy with it i also wanted to point out did you notice though when ben and anwar and devin and amanda got to the pit stop what you know last week we had devin and amanda and justin jump on the mat together oh that was nice Ben and Anwar made sure they got there first yes so they, they might have been as friendly as possible and everything and no 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 shade. I would do that too. If you weren't, if they weren't hundred percent sure they weren't last and you saw how relieved they looked when they found out that, that, that they were all making it. Ben and Anwar had a different look of relief. Than Devin and Amanda. Yeah. It was more like, Oh good. We didn't do something kind of shady because you know, granted, I think they would have outrun them anyway, but it was interesting. I really noticed that when they made sure they're like, just in case we're not, we're not doing this just to be nice and finish for finish last. Yeah, and I think it kind of sent a message like, yeah, we'll work with you when it's in everybody's best interest. But if it's only going to be in one of our best interests, we're going to, yeah, we're going to make sure that we're the ones ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah, Tyler and Kayleen um, did finish first, won a trip to Valparaiso, Chile. Um, Jess, they really made, the show made a really big deal, even cut to commercials before they got first. And they were so happy. Is this a case where their victory in the show happened right here and this was kind of their crowning achievement and maybe they don't finish first again? Ah, uh, so you're saying like this is kind of the bow on their story and maybe next week they go home. I will say, and I don't want to go too much into preview reading. The preview really wanted us to think Ty and Cat are going to struggle. That's all I'm saying. And they could. We've seen times where teams in the preview do poorly and then they get eliminated. The show does that. But I don't know. It seems almost too easy. Like you said, the team everybody wants to get out 
doesn't often go out. So that's another yeah. reason I'm trying to figure out what's the alternative. And to me, I could see the Ben and Anwar, Devin and Amanda group friends, underdogs, those four battling against the juggernaut in the final to me seems like that's a story I could see. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and I guess if we're talking about like, there have been, occasions like i think we're, we have to look to season 32 of the u.s version where we're really we're really waiting for d'angelo and gary to pull out the win because all the other teams are kind of against them but i don't think they were as clear front runners it wasn't like david slaying goliath it was like a bunch of teams ganging up on another team and this feels more like a a true like we're all competing against this team yeah, I mean, this isn't like Megan and Natalie type numbers, I think. I mean, I'd have to look, mm-hmm. but their average placement, I mean, Ty and Cat, I mean, they've only had four first place. And granted, this the show is not as long. Apparently, we only have two more legs, Jess. We were incorrect last week because mm-hmm. John made a very clear point. Next week is the last leg before the finale, which means barring a Final four type weird Amazing Race US season 25. And I think they did another time twist. We're going to just have two more legs. But regardless, they have been very strong. And they seem the thing about Ty and Cat that's different than some teams that have done well is they don't seem to be. I mean, I know they're trying hard, but they don't seem to be trying as hard as it's not like Colin Christie or something. No. It's a very different vibe to this team. Yeah. And I think, well, everything and everything is also really friendly. Like there's no animosity with any of these teams and it's kind of, it's kind of hard to force that tension and the the show is really, really trying, but I, I don't think there's, I I think any of these teams win, we're going to be like, good for them. We're excited. We're happy, but there's not going to be any, like, it's not going to feel triumphant in a way that it might, if there was, if it felt like there was a real struggle there. Yeah. Like two seasons ago with that one team, like it really felt like I was invested in that team, not winning. Yeah. I was just, I think, Oh wait. Yeah. Two seasons ago. Yeah. And um, this, I know. I mean, I, I said that about Tyler and Kayleen. I'd be really happy if they won. And um, you could see, you saw a moment where Ty was just like cracking jokes with Tyler, um, mm-hmm. like while they're in the roadblock and they were both laughing. And I'm like, these teams all really like each other. And I mean, that's, that's another reason why when you see things like the past, and I know teams say they wanted to use it for the game, but where teams don't use it, and it's like, and I think Amazing Race Canada wants the teams to like each other. Yes, they like the drama, but I don't think they want the teams, they've, they cast these teams, they cast the type of people that are going to get along, I guess the way I look at it. Yeah, it is. It is very much there's there's no like clash of the Titans feel here. Like it doesn't even have to be good guys and bad guys. If it's just like, you know, these teams are, you know, going head to head and they're really they're really invested in defeating each other, which they don't seem invested in defeating each other either. It's like, you know, we all got a bunch of fun trips. We're, we're having a good time. Yeah. yeah. De- um, Tyler and Kayleen are like, we got another trip. Well, you guys want a leg earlier. <laughs> we want another trip. But I get it. When a team is dominating, it almost like too, they want to go into the last two legs being like, you know, we 
they won earlier again when Tiny Cat were second, but they want to win another leg to almost feel like they can do it. And so I think maybe that was also why they were so invested in this one. Like, okay, we're going to do it. But yeah, I think all these teams want to win. They want the 250,000 and the title and the truck, the ZR2 and the trip around the world and everything. But um, there's only so much. These are not ultra scary competitive people. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's friendly competition with the emphasis yeah. on friendly. Yeah. Very right. friendly. All right, Dan, let's get to some questions then. We got it. We got several really good questions off Facebook and Twitter. So I am, I'm going to start with um, Natalie Franklin, um, fresh off of making fun of me for buying growers while I was in Canada. Uh, she says, I have more of a comment, I guess. It continues to baffle me that people don't pick up a French phrase book at some point before going on the Amazing Race Canada. People assuming that their grade nine French is sufficient is absolutely wild. I would have been like Amanda, though, to the gauche. Which, fair, that's probably how I would be as well. But it, it baffles me because as soon as you learn how to read in Canada, you are inundated with French on everything because everything is printed in English and French. Like, I know so many French food words because of Canadian food packaging. It surprises me that people don't know more than than they do. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, because I mean, I know we have teams from all over Canada, but it's very different than, well, everywhere is very different in terms of how languages are than the United States and how things are presented, at least not in terms of the, the people. But, um, you know, I mentioned my high school example. I mean, again, that's a little different because, you know, I went to Paris 12 years later and hadn't done anything with French and it was not really that you know, I think I tried to look at a book before we left. Yeah, that didn't that didn't do any good. But not to make it on me, but my point is that I think I don't know how much it would have helped them that much, given that I remember trying to like study some phrases before we went to Paris. And then you get there and it's like you just your brain doesn't doesn't connect. But that doesn't let them off the hook because I was not going there to compete for quarter of a million dollars. So they should do more than me, Jess. Yeah. I mean, not to mention, Dan, when you go on Amazing Race US, you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to help you. And I certainly like if you're preparing like a master document of all the things you need to do to prepare for an international Amazing Race, learning a few key phrases in some of the most popular languages is probably a good bet. But you only you're potentially only going to encounter one other language if you're in Canada. So you could spend some time with that one. Yeah, I mean, I think based on the fact that last year they also didn't leave Canada, you would think that the odds are pretty good that they weren't going to do it this time. So um, that's right, teams. I scoff at you. You should have done better prep. I mean, I don't know if this is up there with teams not learning to drive a stick or um, you know, swimming. Not swimming. That was the other you know, orienteering. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of different ones there. You know, somehow not expecting you're gonna have to jump, do something from heights, but you know, regardless, this is still another one on the list. Very yeah. good, Natalie. Yep, very good, Natalie. All right, Dan, where else should we go here? Um, here's an interesting one from Lindsay on Twitter. 
Do you think it's sometimes an advantage to come in at the back of the pack on the previous leg when the current leg has an equalizer? Like, I'll add this, like this one where they all got on the one train. Like, oh, she just said the same thing. Like everyone on the same train right at the beginning. The later people get more sleep. So have you thought about this? Maybe someone like Ben and Anwar actually benefited early on because they arrived later and got more sleep. Is the difference in when teams arrive enough to make this worth it? Yes. I think we are missing some information in order to make the call on whether this is a, an advantage or not. Like on its face, it seems like it would be. But I also don't know how long the pit stops are. It used to be, you know, in the bad old days of early Amazing Race, teams that checked in at 4 p.m. would have to leave at 4 a.m., and then if you're not getting on a train till 8 a.m., yeah, that's probably kind of a disadvantage because you're not going to go straight from the mat to go to sleep. You're probably going to like dick around at the hotel and play video games or something. Um, but in this new era of Amazing Race, we aren't told how long teams have to wait. And I don't think they all necessarily have to wait the same amount of time. I think they just give them staggered starts and they're really not transparent about when people take off anymore so we can't really tell but i would guess that if you are spending the night and leaving the next morning it depends on how far behind the other teams are if it's only 15 minutes i don't think it matters if it's a couple of hours and those hours are like a team getting up and then having to wait versus a team being able to sleep in it might make a difference. I just don't think they structure the race like that anymore. Especially like everybody was just on the same train. I'm surprised they didn't do like two trains leaving 15 minutes apart. Possibly those didn't exist. But yeah, I think there's rarely in this modern era, there's rarely as much of a gap. So I don't think it makes as much of a difference. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of legs where teams arrive, you know, within not always within 30 minutes of all of them or an hour or whatnot, because they're all in one town. Everything's a few miles apart. This is early on this season. And then everything's pretty close. Then the pit stop is close or fairly close. But the early seasons, especially of the U S where they would have to put in things like a team is up by a bunch of hours. So then, like you said, they get up early, they arrive and it's like operating hours, 9 AM. And it's like, they end up laying on the ground or something. You know, this is again a long time ago on the Amazing Race. But the Amazing Race Canada, besides the like you mentioned, like the the boards with the two flights or whatever, which is mainly just to reward a team mostly for what they did in the previous leg. Um, they don't do a lot of that. So I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think we don't know enough info, but I suspect there's probably a leg or two each season now where it really would help you to be later. But the, pro the trick is, how do you know when those are happening? Yeah, it's really, it's a little results oriented, honestly, because I think you have no way of knowing what's coming next. And sometimes, like, especially on Amazing Race US lately, sometimes you check in at the mat and they don't even show it as keep on racing, but it is keep on racing. You just keep going and the next leg starts, no pit stop. So, yeah, mega legs for everyone. No, no non-elimination legs. Oh, I hate 13 no teams. Legs. <laughs> Sorry, uh, that just came out. So um, don't remind me, Dan. <laughs> it's coming. Well, they still call them a mega leg when they happen every week. I think 
eventually it's just going to be all of the amazing race is one giant leg. Yeah. So I didn't really see any other questions um, on there that you thought that we had. I mean, there was, there was a love and music just complaining about it being the amazing friends and yeah. doesn't like it when they all that. I think that thought is fairly common. And even, you know, normally I don't mind when teams are friendly, but like I said, there are exceptions, but I mean, again, this is still not amazing race 10. This is not nope. the, the worst example where I was like, I can't take this anymore. Granted, I think I've mellowed since then. That was a long time ago. I probably would be not as mad now. But yeah, I don't I don't think there was much else to cover in terms of questions that we haven't already hit. Yeah. I mean, thanks to everybody who writes in with the questions. We really it's it's nice to have a little back and forth here, apart from the back and forth that you and I have, Dan. Um, it's nice to get some other voices in the mix. So we love hearing what you think. And of course, Dan puts out a call every week on the Facebook in the Rob has awesome patrons group, as well as the Twitters. Um, so wherever you are tracking us, you can get your questions in and don't worry about spoiling us. I know because we are American, we typically do not watch the amazing race Canada in real time. Don't worry about spoiling us. It's all going to come out in the wash anyway. Um, so Dan, what else is going on with you this week? Well, beyond wondering what's up with those aliens in next week's Amazing Race Canada, I don't understand. I don't understand. Um, I also host a podcast about the parks called the Tomorrow Society Podcast. This week, I just interviewed um, an Imagineer named MK Haley, who um, she, very interesting, worked a lot in R&D and education and on the academic side and very cool stuff. Um, I enjoyed it much and that'll be out next Tuesday, right after Labor Day. I can't wait for that, Dan. I love, I love when you talk to Imagineers. It's, it is truly fun. And especially the deep dives into what goes on behind the scenes, because there's so much of it. Like it is, you know, the tip of the iceberg is what you see at the Disney parks. So very excited for that for sure. And I'm still kind of on a bit of a yachtis for everything else. But uh, I of note, the Amazing Race U.S. cast for the upcoming season did drop today as we are speaking. And so I am sure that a cast preview with um, Mike Bloom and Rob Sestrino and I or some conglomeration thereof, I'm sure that's coming very soon. Uh, we have to talk through everything that happened and also to kind of explain what happened, because the Amazing Race you're seeing coming up this fall is not the amazing race that filmed you know this is the amazing race that filmed most recently there's another season sitting in the can waiting for a day when there's not a writer's strike and we can air 60 minute episodes again so the amazing race 35 that you're seeing is technically amazing race 36 but we won't we won't quibble we're just excited to have it back um and so that will be coming very soon i'm sure and of course, drop all your thoughts on this cast and of course, all thoughts on Canada for the next two weeks. Anyway, you can tweet me at Haymaker Hattie and you can tweet Dan at the Dan Heaton. So thanks again, Dan. This was a fun recap of maybe not the most fun episode we've had all season, but I'm always happy to share it with you. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy that Team Dan is still around. So it's all good. This is fun. Yep, Team Dan's still hanging in there. It could get it could get competitive as we go into these final two legs. So thanks again, Dan, and thanks to all of you, the listeners. Thanks to everybody behind the scenes who helps keep this podcast running. And thanks to our patrons. And I guess that's all. Thanks. I'm out of thanks. Merci beaucoup. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.